Hey everybody, I'm Beth Davis and welcome back to Teachable Tuesday. For the next few months, we are walking together through the Gospel of John. And this week is John chapter 7. So grab your Bible, we're going to read it together. But first, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We place our trust in you. I pray, Lord, that this time together would deepen our love of you, would open our eyes to hear your voice, to know your will for our lives. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for showing us your love by sending Jesus. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, if you haven't been reading along uh, for this Gospel of John study we're doing here on Teachable Tuesday, I want to encourage you, it's never too late to start. What we do is we read one chapter a day, every day for the week, and then chat about it right here on Teachable Tuesday and share our takeaways. So I'm gonna be telling you all about my main takeaway, my one thing from John chapter seven, but I wanna hear from you too, so be sure to share yours in the comments. Without further ado, let's read and pray together John chapter seven. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He did not wish to go about in Judea because the Jews were looking for an opportunity to kill him. Now the Jewish festival of booths was near. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one who wants to be widely known acts in secret. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify against it that its works are evil. Go to the festival yourselves. I am not going to the festival, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone to the festival, then he also went, not publicly, but as it were, in secret. The Jews were looking for him at the festival and saying, where is he? And there was considerable complaining about him among the crowds. While some were saying, he's a good man, others were saying, no, he is deceiving the crowd. Yet no one would speak openly about him for fear of the Jews. About the middle of the festival, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. The Jews were astonished at it, saying, How does this man have such learning when he has never been taught? Then Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Anyone who resolves to do the will of God will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own. Those who speak on their own seek their own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true and there is nothing false in him. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why are you looking for an opportunity to kill me? The crowd answered, 
You have a demon. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus answered them, I performed one work, and all of you are astonished. Moses gave you circumcision. It is, of course, not from Moses, but from the patriarchs. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath in order that the law of Moses might not be broken, are you angry with me because I healed a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Now some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, Is not this the man whom they are trying to kill? And here he is speaking openly. But they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Messiah? Yet we know where this man is from. But when the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he was teaching in the temple, You know me, and you know where I am from. I have not come on my own, but the one who sent me is true. And you do not know him. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. Then they tried to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many in the crowd believed in him and were saying, when the Messiah comes, will he do more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering such things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple police to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little while longer and then I am going to him who sent me. You will search for me, but you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying you will search for me, and you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come? On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For as, as yet there was no Spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some in the crowd said, this is really the prophet. Others said, this is the Messiah. But some asked, surely the Messiah does not come from Galilee, does he? Has not the scripture said that the Messiah is descended from David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David lived? So there was a division in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the temple police went back to the chief priests and Pharisees, who asked them, why do you, did you not arrest him? The police answered, never has anyone spoken like this. Then the Pharisees replied, surely you have not been deceived too, have you? Has any one of the authorities or of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd, which does not know the law, they are accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus before and who was one of them, asked, Our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they were doing, does it? They replied, Surely you are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and you will see that no prophet is to arise from Galilee.
Amen. Oh, friends, there was so much in this chapter, and I've spent the last few days praying and reading and meditating on this word, on this chapter. But as much as I wanted to talk about uh, discouragement, I wanted to talk about division, I wanted to talk about doing God's will and discerning God's will, I really couldn't get away from the, the one thing for me, the language that most appealed to my heart. And that's really what our time together is all about. It's about discovering God's heart in His Word and then applying our hearts, our lives to His Word and His heart. So without further ado, I'm going to share with you my one thing. You know, it makes me think back on an experience I had, a vacation. Gosh, about 10 years ago, I went to Hawaii, to the island of Oahu. And I'd never been to Hawaii before. I had never seen such beautiful beaches. And you know, I'm a water girl, so that's saying a lot. <laughs> but there was one day in particular that um, with my friends, we took a little outing and we went snorkeling in this, uh, this bay that was really known for its sea turtles. And I spent hours that morning and into the afternoon just, uh, you know, back up, belly down, floating on the surface of the water and watching these sea turtles. It was so peaceful. Uh, the colors were brilliant and beautiful. There was a real rest for my soul. And uh, I just soaked it up. And the time flew by. So by the time that I actually came out of the water with a very sunburned back, I might add, I was starving. I was thirsty. And isn't that an odd thing to say, a strange reality that I was surrounded by water, but I couldn't drink any of that water. If I were to drink that salt water, I would actually become sick. I would actually become more thirsty. I would get dehydrated from drinking that salt water because it's not the, the pure, clear water that our bodies need to survive, to live. When I got out and I ate that hot dog from a little, a little hot dog cart and I drank that bottle of water in one gulp, one swig, I drank the entire bottle, I was deeply satisfied because finally I got what I was truly longing for, what my body, what my soul really needed. I needed that nourishment. I needed that clear, pure water to satisfy my very physical thirst. And the thing about our bodies, our physical needs, my physical thirst, is really that it reveals a deeper spiritual thirst, doesn't it? And so I'm curious, I wonder today, where do you go when you become aware of that thirst, that deeper spiritual thirst? Maybe you don't even have a name for it now, but where do you turn or to whom do you turn to satisfy your deepest, deepest thirst? Is it online shopping? Is it alcohol? Is it calling your best friend, which is a, a good and beautiful thing, but really digging into your problems and, and maybe even kind of spinning out or gossiping about that person who hurt you? Where, where do you turn? Now, I, I'm giving a lot of negative examples. There are surely good places that we take our thirst, but ultimately, don't you tend to feel like I do? Like 
nothing quite hits. It might alleviate, but nothing quite quenches that thirst I have. And in John chapter 7, Jesus addresses this universal, insatiable thirst. And this is my takeaway, verse 37. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. You know, I think it's important here to give you a little bit of context. Oh, this made me love Jesus and love this verse, love this image more and more. Uh, The festival of booths that Jesus had gone up to Jerusalem to celebrate, uh, every day they um, did these water rituals. And that was multi-layered. Water is a stream, right? A river flowing throughout the scriptures. And so at the festival of booths, when the Jewish people were really celebrating God's provision for them in the desert after the exodus from Egypt, these water rituals were speaking to uh, many scriptures, many situations in the lives of their people, the history of their people. They were remembering that God provided water from the rock, that he satisfied their thirst in an impossible situation, in a, a dry and desert land. He provided water where there was no water, water from the rock. He has provided for his people year after year through every season, pouring out rain for the harvest. And the water ritual, the pouring of the water out uh, upon the, the altar of sacrifice or near the altar of sacrifice was reminding the people, connecting to those Psalms, those Old Testament scriptures that have this uh, messianic expectation that when the Messiah, when the Savior came, that he would give to his people the water of salvation. So water is a rich metaphor, one that's um, woven throughout the scriptures. And so when Jesus gets up on the last day, right, the, the day that all of the other days have culminated up to this point on the last day of the festival, the great day, Jesus comes forward. He stands up and he expresses to the people this, this provision and this ongoing desire, this expectation for water that satisfies, it's fulfilled in him. Let anyone who thirsts come to me. Jesus is telling us he's the fulfillment of all of those Old Testament prophecies, and he's the fulfillment of all of our desires. He is the living water that will quench that insatiable thirst, the thirst that cannot be satisfied by anything or anyone this side of heaven. It's him. He's the living water. So we come to him and drink. Jesus is that rock, right? The the rock in the desert that poured forth water and provided for the people of Israel. That was a that was a prefigurement that was pointing forward to Jesus. The temple in Ezekiel 47 that our rise, retreat, and revival are based on what we're spending the whole year meditating on, this temple with water pouring forth from every direction. That temple, 
reveals and points to Jesus Christ. He's the temple. From him flow this living water that satisfy our thirst. He is the Messiah coming to rule and to reign there in Jerusalem so that the city itself, God's people, would become that spring of living water overflowing to eternal life. He's the rock. He's the temple. He's the king. He's the fulfillment of every prophecy and of all of our desires. He alone satisfies our deepest desires. But for many of us, We've been looking to satisfy our thirst, to slake our thirst in all the wrong places. We've been steadily ingesting this diet of salt water that is ultimately making us sick and really causing even further dehydration of soul. But I want to talk to you today about a couple of ways from simple to sacramental to the sacraments themselves that can and do satisfy that deep soul thirst that you and I feel. And it's body and soul, isn't it? Our our physical needs, our physical desires really point to a deeper reality. Isn't that what we say about the sacraments, that they reveal, they make visible the invisible realities of God. Further, the catechism says that body and soul are unity. That's why I love being Catholic, because matter matters. Jesus knows that we're embodied, right? That we're not just having a spiritual experience, that that our faith is not separate from this physical body. It's why God became man, why Jesus was incarnate, because we're meant to experience him here and now in and through the redemption of our body. So I want to speak to a few ways to be satisfied in our souls and in our bodies. So let's start with the simple, okay? (laughs) Some of you might get a little chuckle out of this, but I am being completely serious. I need you to start drinking more water. (laughs) I'm I'm being absolutely genuine. We, We do not drink enough water. And friends, we need water to live. Without water, we would die. Our bodies are made up of water. You've got to replenish water. I can't tell you how many days I'm having a hard time. I'm feeling discouraged or or tired. I'm feeling kind of sick. I get a headache and a glass of water is the cure all. It's just my body telling me the deep needs of my body. It's my body's way of communicating that I'm getting dehydrated. Water can solve so many problems physically, spiritually. So I want you to start uh, carrying around a bottle of water, drinking water. This isn't just for people like me living in Phoenix, living in the desert. Water is for life. And maybe even to connect it to a spiritual practice, right? I'm thinking about the woman in John 4 um, when Jesus promises her, right? He's offering her this living water and she says, sir, give me this water always. I wonder, what if you just stacked that little prayer onto the daily habit of drinking water? Every time you go to drink some actual physical water that you're reminded of the living water that Jesus promises. And in your heart, just make a little cry of the heart, Sir, Jesus, give me this water always. Okay, we're starting pretty simple. Let's go a little bit deeper. Still very simple, but sacramental in nature. 
Consider putting a holy water font in your home to have that actual sign and symbol of our baptism in your home to, to bless yourself as you come in and go out to be cleansed of all of uh, the things that you've encountered in the world. This sacramental sign really speaks to us of the deep reality that by water and the spirit, we were adopted into the family of God. We no longer belong to this world, that we belong to the Father, that we have a family in the church. I want you to use these sacramental signs to get connected to the reality of our faith, to live our faith more richly, to be satisfied by our faith, which does satisfy in your daily life. So get some holy water, bring some holy water in your home. Have your have your kids bless themselves, your roommates, sprinkle holy water around your home. Don't let this beautiful sacramental sign go unused in your life. Okay, we're gonna press in a little deeper, another sacramental. This past Sunday, we celebrated Divine Mercy Sunday, and I can't help but think about this devotion, particularly that image that was given to St. Faustina, where Jesus is coming toward her, he's pulling open his robe and he's pointing to his pierced heart and from it flow um, these brilliant rays of red and white, the blood and the water and the prayer of the Divine Mercy Chaplet on every our Father bead, O blood and water, which gush forth from the heart of Jesus as a fountain of mercy for us, I trust in you. If you wanna experience deeper trust, if you want to be more connected to the living water that satisfies all of our fears, all of our anxieties, it's the, the cure, it's the solve for all of our shame, come to Jesus who is divine mercy. He says in his diary to St. Faustina, I am love and mercy itself. Come and stand beneath him on the cross, look at a crucifix and, and imagine that blood and water pouring out. It's the birth of the church, that water of baptism, the saving blood of Jesus pouring forth from his sacred heart. So why not discover this devotion? Either pray a divine mercy chaplet or spend some time today venerating that image, meditating on that image. Um, and open your heart to receive those beautiful shining rays of love and mercy streaming from his heart. That, my friends, is the living water that will satisfy all of our deepest wounds. You know, last week I, um, I had a really bad day. <laughs> and like, not just kind of a bad couple of hours, or it was like, it was the worst kind of a day. And you know, I tried everything. I, I talked to a friend, I did some shopping, I like treated myself, I, I, I really grasped even um, at these sacramental signs and symbols. I, I tried to pray, but there was just this, this deep desolation, really a bleakness to the day. And it did not lift. Nothing was able to satisfy until I went to Mass, until I received Jesus in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity. You know, when Jesus says in John 7, our, our verse, my verse today, John 7, 37, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. 
He's fulfilling his own words in John 6, 53, that if we come to him and we eat of his flesh and we drink of his blood, we will have life within. I came and I ate and I drank of him at the table of our Lord. When nothing else could satisfy, when everything else was salt water that left me dissatisfied, that left me more thirsty, that actually harmed me, the only thing that could truly reach the depths of this despair was the precious blood of Jesus that I, I drank in Holy Communion. So friend, if you're in a similar place, if, if you're longing, if you've tried everything, come to Jesus. Respond today to his invitation. Come to me. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. He's talking to you. Let's pray in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us first. Jesus, our, our palate has been so disordered. Cleanse it. Purify our, our thirst, our longing, Lord. Right order our desires that we might thirst for you. And thank you, Jesus, that we're not alone in this thirst, but that in our thirst for you, God, we taste your thirst for us. So would you impress upon the hearts of every single person watching and praying, Jesus, that you long for them and that you promise to satisfy us with yourself. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, my friends. I'll see you next week for chapter eight. See you later. Bye.